0: We're working through the Sermon on the Mount, and um, we probably started that, and it was probably about late the time we started that, and we'll be in it until around November. And um, we've got to the, the, the place in the, in the sermon, in the message, where Jesus is, at this point, beginning to get to the heart of what drives and motivates a true believer. Uh, I guess it's... It's one thing to say that you believe or go to church or whatever. But in terms of following Jesus, it's a messy business. It's a very messy business. And if anyone tells you otherwise, then you know that they, they probably haven't quite, um, they don't quite know Jesus. Because it, it, it's an amazing adventure where you know that you are being led uh, by the perfect shepherd and yet he's utterly hair-raising at times, mystifying at other times and confusing at other times because you find yourself going, you know, every, everything often that you thought would happen doesn't, and yet he still finds a way of fulfilling his promises through that very surprising route. And um, he gets to the heart at this point of really what's driving a disciple, what's driving a believer. And um, what we looked at the last few, few weeks, he says there, was, there, there is something that marks a believer. There's something that makes him different from just someone religious, and it's this. It's that actually they are not hypocritical, they are not putting a mask on, they're not acting, they're not doing religious stuff, but really just trying to be noticed by other people. You see, that is what can mark a religious person. They go through the motions or giving or fasting or praying, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking, Is anyone noticing me here? Am I I appearing impressive? And, And that's the reward they're looking for. And Jesus says a true disciple is different from the religious in that they are not hypocritical. But this week, we get to how they're different from the irreligious. Because it's not just that a true disciple is different from someone religious. He's also, or she's also different from someone who's irreligious, particularly in the area of materialism. And I tell you, this thing cuts to the heart. When you get into the text we're looking at today, it cuts you right to the heart. Um, Because it's more than just, you know, I don't know, don't be really, really greedy. I mean, you know, it's kind of way beyond that. I guess the world's best efforts would be don't be really, really grieving. You know you'll get into real discipleship where the things Jesus says cut right beyond that and get right to the heart of the thing. So that's what we're going to be looking at as we look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And I'm going to read to you now. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven You cannot serve God and money. Isn't huge? When Jesus is talking about treasures here, is he simply talking about money? I think it's wider than that. It's part of it, but it's wider than that. Treasures really can have quite a broad category. I think the best way of describing it would be anything that is temporary, i.e., oh of this created order. Anything that won't last forever. Anything that is seen, that finds a way of winning your heart. Could be a person, a famous person that you never know or never will know, but nevertheless, they captivate your life. Or it could be your girlfriend, boyfriend, or one of your parents, or your children. It could be your job, your career, And linked with that, your sense of status through that. It could be your dream, car, home, boat, holiday. And what Jesus is doing here, he gives four reasons in this passage why it's really, really unwise to lay those things up for yourself on earth. Jesus doesn't warn against laying up treasures. Jesus doesn't warn against laying up treasures for yourself. Jesus does warn against laying up treasures for yourself on earth. He says, instead, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. It's very important you see that. It's not Jesus saying don't have treasures. It's not Jesus saying don't lay out treasures for yourself. It's Jesus saying, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth. But do in heaven. This is not just about what you don't do. It's never enough just to not do. Have you ever noticed that? It's not enough just to stop doing something. Why? Because none of us exist in a vacuum. As soon as you stop doing that, you will replace it with something else. Am I right? Yeah. As soon as you kick one habit, another one develops. As soon as you kick this thing, and there's a space that has to be filled. So it's not just what you don't do, it's what you do do. This is what Jesus is getting at here, and he gives four main reasons. The first one is this. He says, lay up treasures for yourself on heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is, it's a very insightful point but very obvious. He's saying, do you know what? Everything that your heart is set upon on earth will fade away. Am I right? Is he right? Yeah. It's just good to stop because what Jesus does is actually he's being very reasonable. It's not, just, it's not sort of totally esoteric. It's very, very reasonable. He's saying, think about anything that you really treasure in this life. Will it be around in many years' time? The answer is no. It won't be. And so what Jesus is saying is it's a really bad investment to, in, to give yourself, to laying up stuff for yourself that cannot last. One way or another, it will fade whether it just fades in the heart. You know that? spoken about it before, haven't I? You know when you're a kid on Christmas Day and you get the present, you've been waiting three months for, the present finally is really there. And it's amazing. It's amazing. It's always amazing on Christmas Day, isn't it? Yeah. Boxing Day, it's still cool. <laughs> yeah? But at 27, just like, well, I wonder what they got. Huh? What. Because in the heart, you see, you build up to the thing and then in the heart, the wonder of the thing, it just it fades. Or it could be, maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe you get your ass Martin and you love it. And you continue to love it in exactly the same way. And then you notice that bit of rust on the wheel arch there. (laughs) (laughs) Some of you garts with horror. You were with me in that dream, weren't you? You were like, you you felt the horror of that moment. And you treat it. And then there's a bigger patch on the other wheel arch and on it goes. Jesus is saying, do you know what? You're never said that, never that. that <laughs> Jesus, is saying, <laughs> okay. Jesus is saying, doesn't work, so it's not wise. Now, if Jesus is right in that element, then I want to ask you a very simple question. And this is probably maybe the most profound question of the message. Do you think that he is right on the other side? I.e., do you think that there can be such a thing as laying up treasure for yourself in heaven. Now we all know, those of us that are Christians, the power answer. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking you to really reflect. Do you actually believe that you can lay up for yourselves treasures that will never fade? Because what Jesus is doing here is not saying don't invest, he's saying invest wisely. I mean, if you were to compare it on a natural level. Here's something you can invest your money in, it will fade. Here's some things you can invest your money in, they will never fade. It's a, it's a simple deal, mathematically. It's exactly what you're saying here. So what's so hard about it is that it gets to the heart of, do you really believe? And it's one thing to say yes and one thing to sing about. it. It's another thing to order your life in light of it. In fact, I would say it's an entirely different thing to order your life in light of it. Entirely different. Because you can't see it. So there needs to be the faculty of faith at work in a robust way in order to do this. Otherwise, I want to say to you, you won't do it. You'll hedge your bets. You'll, you'll link between two opinions. A bit of this and a bit of that. Am I saying that it's to, to have possessions and to, and to be going for the kingdom is limping between two opinions? Not at all. That's one of the questions I'm going to ask at the end. And answer is, is it okay to have possessions? But it is most definitely, genuinely about heart attitude that manifests in action. And a heart attitude that is limping between two opinions can never really go all out. In the, in the moment where it's appropriate to make the risk and take the jump, can't do it. Can't do it. And those moments come. Sometimes frequently. And and what happens is you tend to record into a very, very safe position. Actually, it feels safe. But Jesus is looking and saying, that's really insecure. That's really insecure there. That's a really unwise move there. That's a bad investment. So that's number one reason why it doesn't last. And yet what is being offered here is a treasure, an investment that will last forever. Now let's just try and unpack that a bit quickly, because what is it? Okay, because you might say, look, I've got an Aston Martin here. It's beautiful. This heavenly treasure is so vague. What is really going to... How can you help me actually see that this is a good investment? Well, when you're born again, and when you know the Lord, and when you know the favour of God on your life, when you know in your heart that you are walking with him, and He is answering your prayers, and He is taking you somewhere, and you know the smile of God bursting by the Holy Spirit into your life. I want to say to you, hand on heart, there is nothing that compares with that. There is nothing that, even when even if you do foolish or embarrassing things, when you do it for the Lord, you walk away and you're like, cloud nine, cloud nine. I am on cloud nine, why? Because I'm, I'm not living for Christ.
1: And you just know that what's
0: happening is, is that something internally and invisible is happening between your heart and his. If I'm growing close to the Lord. And you know, you know in your heart of hearts that a day is coming where we will all stand before the throne. And there's two judgments. Firstly, there's a judgment of, have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or have you tried to save yourself either through following the rules of different religion or just, trying to, or just self-righteousness or, you know, whatever? Or have you, have you actually received the salvation of God which is Jesus Christ? That's the first judgment. If you, if you put your faith and trust in Christ and you're born again, then the Lord will give you freely, has given you, will you come into eternal life. But then there's the, the judgment, if you like, of works. How, how have, you, what have you done with what he's given you? How, what, how have you invested the talents, the gifts, the ability? How have you invested your resources into the kingdom? And at that point, the Bible says it's going to be a little bit like there's, 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 there's the shabby stuff, you know when you kind of just give God the last few bits of what you can spare or whatever. That's like building with wood, hay and straw, the Bible says. Then there are those who have invested, laying up treasures in heaven. What does that mean? It means they pour poured themselves out for the kingdom. That's described as building with gold, silver and precious stones. Now the way the judgment of works is going to work is it's with fire. So the Lord will come and test everything with fire. So if you've built with brick with wood, hail, straw, you know what's going to happen. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 you'll be saved, but as through the fire. So you're saved, saved, because it's it's God's free gift. But in terms of what what you've got to show for what he gave you freely, what, what you've done with what he entrusted you with, it's going to be quite embarrassing. And you'll just be—I think they will. I don't know how it works. How you can be in eternal life in glory in the new heavens and the new earth and in utter bliss, and yet at the same time be aware of loss. But of course, there there will be loss. There's a sense of a sense somehow. I don't know how it works, but a sense of loss—a sense of the Lord Himself graced me. When I I was saved, He gave me gifts of the Spirit to use, and I was either too afraid, or too lazy, or too distracted, or too unbelieving, or whatever. And as a result. Got nothing to show for what he invested in me, those praise God, I'm here. And then there'll be those who have, you know, stumbled in many ways and all of that, all totally flawed, you know, flawed, but we said, oh, wait, I do want to serve you, Jesus, I want to give you my best. Not just what's left, I want to actually give my best. Whatever I'm called to, whether it's full time Christian work or a very demanding career, I've done it for the glory of God, I've done it for Jesus, and I've, I've just loved his kingdom. And, and, and somehow they're, they're all the, the, these, these gold silver and precious stones through the fire becomes refined in the sense that what fire does with precious stuff is that it only it gets away anything in it that's a bit flawed and it brings it through to perfection and somehow you get to carry that through into eternity and it's, it, it, I, guess it's, I, guess, I guess somehow these stones cry out, well done, good and faithful, servant," And that rings into eternity and you know, wow, I mean it was just bread and fish. <laughs> it, it wasn't that impressive you know Looking at it but I gave it to him I gave it to him and my heart was to honour him mm. and he's been really pleased mm. it's in telling mm. you won't regret it and please it's not because the preacher says Jesus says Amen. but that's the authority to speak I'm not that's what he says <laughs> second reason verse 21 for where your treasure is then your heart will be also there it is folks very very simple point where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The thing that you're really, the thing that takes up your thoughts, your imagination, genuinely your enthusiasm and your interest, that's where your heart is. You know that. That's not rocket science. You know that. I know that. We all know that. That's how it works. The question is, what is it? That's the question. Or, what the thing is, Who's it for? Is it? I want to do this for his name's sake. I want to go there for his glory. Because when you treasure this, the thing that by default, the things we give our time and energy to are the things with our heart and blood And so the, the, the best the best question to ask yourself is to kind of like I'm not Sort of a service, or like a check, food, or check up on everything What, what are my thoughts and energies caught up with? And if you're still scratching your head, ask yourself the really simple question: Time. Where's, where's the time? Where do I invest my time? It's where you And I'll tell you this now: What does he want more than anything else? Your heart. He you really wants your heart. That's what. What's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all that you are. It's really what he wants. Why? Because if you love me, you'll obey what I command. It's too hard. What's you. Such simple stuff, but it's it's huge. Isn't it? And then his third reason he says this. It's quite. You think what's this stuff about the eyes and the lamps? First of all, he uses a physical picture. He says the eye is the lamp of the body. So the fact that you can see, it's like it kind of lights up your whole being. Oh, I can see what I'm doing with my I know what I'm doing with my hand and my arms because my eyes are the lamp of my body. They they help me see where I'm going and know what I'm doing Why? because of my eyes, okay? That's the image he's using there physically. So if your eye's healthy, then your body's full of light. My eyes work so I know what I'm doing. My body's full of light. I know that that's over there. I've picked out. and then walk over here. Okay, it's just using a physical picture to describe that. If your eye's bad, if your eyes aren't working, then your body's full of darkness. I don't know if it's, okay, it's over there. I hope it's around there somewhere. He's using the physical Picture, and he says, if the light in you is darkness, how great, how great is the darkness? If the thing that ought to be giving you light is dark, then what's going on with you? And here's what he's saying. He's saying this: if your heart is tethered to earthly things, actually, if what's got you is just the here and now, this age, temporary stuff, your spiritual eyesight will be so warped. You'll be fumbling around. And I have to say this, it, it is surprising how many believers I meet and talk to, and some of you think, they're all over the place. Just all over the place. And you think, what is this? Well, I wonder if it is this. There's actually been an unwillingness to say, do you know what? I'm going for Christ, and I'm going for His kingdom. When you do that, you suddenly see. And in my own life, I know there were times where I just fall into real confusion, a real sense of life, and, and there's i like, try and trace it back, and you get very often to a place where you're like, I'm just there, just double it back, you know, or I just recoiled, or I you know, gave way to disappointment, or whatever. Started going for the, what appeared to be the safe option. But Jesus is saying, no, look, if you invest in the things of heaven, you'll be able to see where you'll go. You really will. And so very often people say, oh, I want to be see clearly, then I won't really go for it. No, go for it, you'll see where you're going. Yeah? There may be some moments, you know, charismatic Christians, they wait for the real moments, don't we? Give me the moment, Lord, and then I will run with you. No, run. <laughs> run. You'll know, you'll know where to go. Yeah. Okay? That's the promise here. Just, Just go for it. Mm-hmm. And the fourth reason is this, and this is where we get to the real some very insightful stuff. He says, No one can serve two masters. you either hate the one and love the other, You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And um, what you're saying here is this: he's saying ultimately we're all worshippers. All of us are worshippers. You might be an atheist, telling you you're a worshipper. Fundamentally, you were made for worship. So the great illustration I've heard is like it's like every human being. Is like a garden hose on full spur in terms of worship. It's just aimed on different things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just aimed in different places. We're all spending our life worshiping. Mm. The question is what? Mm. Jesus says you can't be two things. You can't be two things. You can't be under God, His Lordship. You can't be subject to Him and be subject to the God of money, the God of man materialism, the things of this earth. I want to say to you, hand on heart, you can't. Just take my word for it, take the Bible's word for it, rather than spend the next 15 years trying and then get to the point where you think, I didn't work. Oh, no, the <laughs> Bible says, the Bible says, it will not work. And he will not change the way it works for you. He just won't do that. Because his ways are the best ways, his ways are the right ways. It's his wisdom. And you know, the Lord made you to be subject to him and then for everything else to be subject to you. He didn't make you to be subject to money or material things. He didn't make you to be a slave. Some people, you know, some of you, you are called by God to to be in a job which is very demanding long hours. Fine, do it to his glory. But others of you may well be working crazy hours why? Because because you're you are in slavery to some dream or something or the other, and it's killing you. It's killing you. And you've got to find ways of coping and trying to sort this and trying to stay on track. And you feel like your life is like you're spinning that plate, spinning that one, keeping the balls. Do you know what? That is not the will of God for me. Mm-hmm. It's not. And I'm speaking right into the heart of aspirational London, where you know. Everyone's trying to accomplish 101 things. I want, to, I want to ask you, please be honest with yourself and before God. Is that how it should be? Jesus said, Abide in me, you will bear fruit. It's as simple as that. Abide in him, follow him, trust him. Rather than running around and trying to push 100 doors, why don't you spend a bit of time praying? Say, God, what should I do? What would you have me do? Would you open some doors for me that no man can shut? There are seasons of pressure. There are seasons of busyness. Absolute, yes, yes, yes. <coughs> I'm talking about something else here, it's the heart thing. You know what I'm talking about? It's when you're in slavery to something. It's when you're in slavery to something. I just want to just say, tough it out. You know, tough. trust him. Yeah. Even when it takes time, trust him. Because <coughs> it, it, you never regret it. You never, ever regretted it. I remember, you know, in the early days, we had some seasons of real, real pressure, you know, in terms of housing for us, it was a housing thing. We did things for everyone, but we had, um, there was five of us in a one-bedroom flat, and it was quite tight, as you can imagine. And uh, it was, it was cosy, and, um, and um, it was a council flat, and, and for some strange reason, no one wanted to swap their three-bedroom flat with us. I couldn't think why it was um, And the council in the end they said, you know what, we will give you a house. The garden, and we'll give you some cash as well. Just move to Manchester. <laughs> and that's all Manchester. But you know what? We weren't called to Manchester. We were called to London. We said, no, thank you. And, thank you. And, you know, some of you, there's no great heroics on our part, but some of you, there'll be much bigger things than that. But there are seasons where you say, do you know what? I don't know what God's, know what God's saying. And I'm, I'm, and I'm going to trust that he will do it in the right time. And he's got me here, and I'm going to walk through it, and he'll bring me out because he's faithful. He's a great shepherd. And remember, it's all about us, how we are with our father. I haven't got to parent myself. Remember that the other week? You haven't got to parent yourself. He's your parent. Yeah? Remember, you've got to watch that orphan spirit where believers who try to parent themselves, and it's like, what are you doing? He will lead you. Stop panicking. Stop trying to figure everything out. Trust him. Don't do it. But it's, a bit, it's getting a bit of a squeeze, it's like that sometimes, just, just take a squeeze. So, right, he's in charge, he bring you through it, mm. trust him. Yeah. Don't start serving other things, because mm. you can't do both those things. So Jesus said it, and he wants to keep you from the materialism of the religions, And through that, that you might demonstrate that you really are walking with him, and you really do know him. Because you cannot just do this stuff by willpower, we're going to end on that in just a minute. For I do that. I want to ask one question: Possessions. Is it okay then to have possessions? Now I want to read you from 1 Timothy where Paul says this. It's very, very helpful. He says, "As for the rich in this present age, so there were some in the church there that were rich in the present age. Charge them not to be haughty, proud, because when you're rich, it's very tempting to be proud. It's a very subtle thing, but it's very, very tempting that you're not grateful anymore, and you know. So charge them, don't be haughty. So if you're here and you're rich." Most of us are, compared to the whole world. We're very, very rich, so we all need to hear it. Some of you are rich even compared to the UK. So listen, we're charging you now. God's word, don't be proud. Don't be haunted. Don't start thinking that you're, you, you know, you, you're better than others or you made it by your own. It's the greatest. It's, 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 got, it's in God's economy. Okay? So don't be haunted. Not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. There it is. Don't start letting your heart get tethered to the thing. They are utterly uncertain, both in this age and totally the to come. So don't, don't set your heart on them. Why? It's uncertain. Bad investment. But set your heart on God. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So you ain't not got to live under guilt. God has provided you with good, nice things. Enjoy it, thankfully. But your hope set on him. They are to do good. So do good. Be you do-gooder. To be rich in good works. So use your resources to bless others. To be generous and ready to share. Thus up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. So they may take hold of that which is truly life. There it is. Okay? that's it's very, very clear and very, very helpful. It's about having an attitude, all that I have, I'm a custodian of. It is not mine, it is his, he has entrusted me with it, Lord, how would you have me use it? And be a custodian of it, a good steward of it, in view of the age to come. So it's okay to have possessions friend of mine recently went church planting over the other side of the world. It didn't work out. It was very, very difficult. To the extent that he had to come back, uh, family of five. They had nowhere to go and they had nowhere to live. But there was a church, a New Frontiers church in Bracknell, and they were able to house them. Why? Because they had a house. And no one would have been in that house before that family moved in. Now if you been at Bratton Church a week before this family had come back from halfway around the world and you'd heard they had a house and Norm was in it. I wonder whether you would have thought, well isn't that, you know, is that a good news? You know, shouldn't they say it? Do it some poor, Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it was great that it was sitting there so that as soon as these people family five of five with nowhere to go came back they had somewhere to live. Bratton Church do that house as what? It's part of their stewardship, part of their stewardship. So you don't want to develop a mentality where if someone's got something to spare, they feel bad. Because that's a horrible environment to be in. There are times when God says, sell what you have and give it to the poor, absolutely. There are other times when he says, no, keep it, steward it. Because there'll be a time when someone will need that. It. And it's very important that we live in that and that we don't create an environment, we want to be radical, but we don't want to create a judgmental stream. It's really important, okay? Final thing. How do we do this? <laughs> how do we actually do this? The same as with all things. By the grace of God. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, right, I am going to invest in heaven. <laughs> and if you're just work, trying to work something up. Come on. And you ask some about it, come on. You may do well for a couple of hours. And then you'll be very, very tired. Because that's not how it is. We go back to the cross. And at the cross, what we see is something very incredible happening. We see not only Jesus dying there for our sins. We see us dying there. That me, that, that natural, that me that was born in 1973, that, that sinner, that, um, that little rebel, wanted to, really nothing to do with God, was crucified on that cross with Christ. And when he rose from the dead, a brand new me rose with him. A walking miracle, really, you wouldn't know it, would you? But uh, a walking miracle, with a brand new nature. A nature that wants to love and honour Jesus more than anything else. It's a work of his grace. And filled with the Holy Spirit, who's been given to me as a free gift. And the Holy Spirit just... He's like, he's, like, he's like the fire on the coal. And he just keeps coming and keeps coming and he keeps saying, Come on, let's go for Jesus. Mm. Let's go for Christ. And every day when I wake up, though often in the first half an hour, I don't feel like it. The Spirit is gradually getting that fire going. And... Um, creating in me a fresh new new desires for the Lord, new desires for Him. And it all comes back to the fact that I am joined by faith with Jesus. I've been united with Him. I've been caught up in His purposes. I'm now seated with Him in heavenly places next to the Father, all by His grace. And all I really need to do is live out who I am, who He has made me. And that involves definitely crucifying those desires in me that are unworthy, that are unbelieving, that are nasty and dark, absolutely. It does involve that. But it also involves being filled again and again with power from on high. And then that one who indwells in me, empower me to be all that he's called me to be. And he has promised that the work he has begun in me and in you, if you're a believer, he will bring to completion. Mm. He started it, he will finish it. He will bring it to maturity. He is faithful. He will do it. Amen. Amen. And so, when we come and we respond to a message like this, it's not a case of oh, gloom and doom. It should be faith, celebration. Thank you, Lord. There is grace for me to invest in Him. Yeah. There is grace and faith gifts for me to really see yeah. what is there yeah. for me. There, because His grace is sufficient. Amen? Amen. He loves us, He's with us. And um, there will be the Holy Spirit has spoken. What he does is, I'll speak a general message and then, then the way he works is he then applies it into your heart so that you know what it's about now, okay? All of us will, it's about, okay, we've got to, Lord, I need to talk to you about this often. Just be responsive to him, yeah? He'll walk through it with you, he'll bring on wisdom and counsel and bring it to maturity because he is good because our Father loves us. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. I just wanted to open your heart to it and you uh, know, there's a real—I just thought, the sense there's a real lightness the Lord wants to bring to somebody today. You know, it's just a spring back in your step. Uh, we're not supposed to be weighed down with the worries of this life. Mm. And all of us know the temptation of that, but you know what? He really does. He really does want to. He really does want us to be able to um, cast those cares on him because he cares for us and trust him. Proactively, with real vitality now. Different things will be worrying. Different things. Things that are ultimately temporary. They may well be very, very meaningful, but they won't be around forever. What he's doing in you is eternal. Mm. And some of you, you may not, you may, you, may, you know, you the Lord, I wanted to say to you, he wants to start an eternal work in you today. He wants to introduce you to eternal life. He wants to start that work in, you, in your heart that will never finish, yeah. that will go through to resurrection and beyond. be able to live in the new heavens and the new earth with the saints and with the lord jesus and enjoying all the glories of perfect life forever so i want to do just calling you to turn away from darkness and sin turn away from everything that's that's of the old turn to him give your heart to him give your life to him come follow this amazing jesus receive the gift of grace so lord here we are and we just want—we just want to say, Lord, we 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 don't, you know, we're not. We know you don't like playing religion, we don't want to do it either. We want to be before you and say, Lord, we just welcome you now, Holy Spirit. We will welcome you, precious Holy Spirit. And we ask for strength. <laughs> we pray you your truth into our hearts. Even now, Lord, just lift, let the scales fall off. I pray, Lord, let the scales fall off. Bring that lovely eyesight that you bring. I pray. I pray for others. It would be like a fresh glimpse of just adventure with God. I pray you bring that in a new way. Pray for those bogged down by anxieties and worries, Lord, that you would give, just get help, really bring that sense to them that they can give it to you and you'll take it. And Lord, the situation may or may not change, but they don't have to live dragged down by anxieties and worries. So Lord, some you need to just really throw it? That, that word, cast your burners on it, it means throw it on them. Throw it on him and say, Lord, it's yours. Yeah. I'm not going to carry that anymore. It's too heavy for me, but you can do it. So Lord, here we are in your presence. and mm. Lord, we're all so frown. Lord, we, you know, we stumble in many ways. But thank you for your grace. Yeah, thank, you. thank you for your power. Thank you that you are with us. Mm, yeah. Hallelujah. God yeah. is with us. And you will never leave us. Yeah. And you will never forsake us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Right until the end of the age, you will be with us. And then we'll see you face to face. Oh, thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. Amen. Nothing, Lord nothing it's beautiful lord we just say thank you so much yeah we just say thank you so much thank you so much before we sing and break bread together i just there's there's some of you here that and it's like you're believers but you i would describe your mind like a, a a a ball of black wool tied very closely with lots of knots and it's like it's been like that for a while and you don't know the way through. Uh, I feel the like Holy Spirit has just revealed that to me, and I just, I just feel an encouragement for you, and, and 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 it's the encouragement is that, as I said earlier, Jesus is over that, and that is not your portion in Him. That's not your portion, in him, okay? So He's gonna, He wants to start working on doing that, and bringing clarity and peace to you. And for some of you, it's because you're you're in conscious sin. Okay, you're playing with fire, and it's, you've got your, all kinds of trouble internally now. And so there's going to be some repentance involved there, just to straighten some stuff out. To be scared of it is it's good. It's for your good. Others it may not be that. It may just be just real cranky thinking that you've not even shared with anyone, but you think, "Flip, it's getting really dark in here." Okay, Jesus mm-hmm. is the light of the world, mm-hmm. and he, I tell you, He will shine into that. Mm-hmm. And it may be instant, miraculous moments they happen. It may happen. be a process. But he wants to really restore your mind, because the Bible says we given a spirit of sound mind. Mm. That's so enhancement. So I want to say that to you. We'd love to pray with you about it. Come and find us. We'll pray, speak truth to you, encourage you. Um, but when the band come. i great. One brilliant. go for it. You can start. The bread and wine's behind us. The wine is in the the wine is in the cardboard cups. The juice is in the plastic cups. In case you don't drink alcohol, if you're a believer. During these next songs on we're worshiping and praising, let's take the bread and the wine. We love to do it corporately, so it's great if you can grab a friend or two and just stand and pray pray each other. If, if appropriate, confess your sins to each other. Take the bread and the wine and just honor Christ and all we'll get used to it. Amen? Amen. Amen.